Rabbi Moshe Hauer, the executive vice president at the OU, is with us live via telephone on this very topic of the high holidays and getting closer and closer to the uh, Yomim Tovim, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Yeah, toss Sukkis in there as well. Why not? Uh, the OU has announced high holiday guidance for synagogues in light of COVID-19. In addition, they've launched a Baal boot camp to train prayer leaders because this year a lot of synagogues are going to be splitting up into different minyanim, uh, different offerings around or in their synagogue, depending on what their, you know, what their configuration is. And uh, they need people to lead services, quite obviously. Rabbi Moshe Hauer, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Guten Chodesh. Thank you. Guten Chodesh, great to speak to you. You know what's interesting about the OU's high holiday guidance for synagogues in light of COVID-19 is that the OU might be one of the only uh, national organizations that has a constituency, thank God, not, not, not condemning or belittling other uh, uh, segments of the community, making a point to, to laud the efforts of the OU and its synagogues, that take these guidelines very seriously. You know that there are portions of our community that unfortunately are a little bit more lackadaisical when it comes to following uh, strict directives, um, uh, when it comes to synagogue life, um, and there um, and, and there's certain uh, uh, synagogues that take it very seriously. And it seems that the OU shuls, and I hope you can verify this based on your conversations with leaders of OU synagogues around the country, take these guidelines very seriously and understand that a tremendous panel of halachic decisors are considering a lot of very sensitive questions in preparing these guidelines. What can you tell us about the guidelines overall and about the reaction to them? Uh, the, the guidelines set out a framework for shuls, and I, uh, I, I would say that there are many, 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 many shuls of all kinds across the country and across the world that are adhering to these guidelines and to guidelines like this. Uh, they're, 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 and I wouldn't you know, divide it so readily, uh, but we, Baruch Hashem, we have certainly in the, in the, in the OU shuls that are in touch with us on a regular basis, they were very interested for us to be able to provide them with some kind of a framework, which these guidelines hopefully do provide. Uh, the, 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 uh, if one would want to divide it up broadly, we would divide the guidelines into two, into two pieces, equally important. Uh, one part is to, to help the, the shuls plan for a safe and meaningful Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. As you alluded in your in your own words, Nachum, many shuls have to divide up. Right. They have to divide up the minyanim because the need to for social distancing, the maximum capacities which are allowed with, within their buildings, uh, mean that you, you can't have a full sanctuary. You can't have a full besaknesis. And shuls which are accustomed to being full, they have to figure out where to, where to put everybody. And so we walk through uh, the the alternatives that are there for shuls to pursue, whether finding additional venues, uh, different rooms within a building, outside spaces, which we encourage shuls when possible to offer an outside space because there are many people who will prefer that and there's there's certain medical advantages to the ventilation that's offered only in, in, in an outside space. So one is alternative venues, 
and the other, which is going to be necessary, which is necessary for many who have even limits on their outdoor spaces, is to have sequential minyanim, a shorter than usual Rosh Hashanah service, right. where there's room to be able to have a minion followed by another minion. And I would note that there are two reasons that they need it. Sometimes they need it because of space issues, and an additional consideration is that uh, most shuls, and I shouldn't say most shuls, many shuls, uh, traditionally on, on Yom Noraim, create some kind of a child care situation mm. so that both, fa- both father and mother are able to daven in, right. in shul. And this year, though some shuls will be able to do it, fewer shuls will be able to do it, far fewer shuls will be able to do it, and there will be many parents, even if the shul offers it, who will be more hesitant to send their child into a, into a, into the whatever the child care right. program is. That's not necessarily their, their usual their child's usual cluster. And so father and mother should both have the opportunity for the special inspiration of, of davening of Rosh Hashanah and the special opportunity of davening of Rosh Hashanah. So to be able to have an earlier minion and a later minion that allows one to take care of the children while the other one is davening B'tzibur is also a consideration. Right. So that's one, one realm. The other realm, which I'll just say very quickly, and then whatever you want to ask, of course, uh, is also guiding communities as to how to take care of and to address the needs of the people who aren't able to come to shul. Right. So we have more, more than usual people who can't come to shul, and that's equally the responsibility of the community to make sure that we give them some meaningful association with the tzibur, with the community, and an opportunity to experience Rosh Hashanah. In a meaningful way. And that's beyond just hearing, making sure they hear Shofar on Sunday. You're, you're saying to, to, to do your best to get them as involved as possible, both before Yontav and if possible on Yontav itself as well. Uh, Rabbi Moshe Howard is with us. I, I think there's one other factor, by the way, and I notice this as I continue to go to different events, especially to weddings out there. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that there's a, um, it, it's not just that people are, it's not just that we officially, because of the, God forbid, spread of the disease, are looking to shorten service. Obviously, that's a good consideration, obviously. We want you know people to be as safe as possible. But I think psychologically, as people are at events or as people are gathered, even with the social distancing, are gathered with others, they become more and more eerily uncomfortable as the event drags on. And I think just for the psychological well-being of everybody, you know, showing everyone that we are trying to accommodate and be efficient with the service and, you know, and not spend extra time. And, you know, that I think that's important psychologically as well as people are still in this state of adjusting to life when they're surrounded again with social distancing, et cetera, with tens or with hundreds of people. That, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting consideration. It's, of course, less hard and fast, but it's, it's out there. It's a possibility. And Nachum, if I could add something of a similar ilk, is that there are those who would say that they either become too uncomfortable or they become too comfortable. Right. And the, the, right. the ability to stay in the place and keep their mask on their nose and mouth and stay within, you know, stay with six feet of social distancing, to do that for... Two hours for three hours. Okay, right. start it when it gets more than three hours. It gets harder. Right. You know, everybody's different. Right. Uh, it's, it's it's not clear. Right. You, but you, these are all the sort of the invisible arguments that surround right. how to how to do this right. Right. You go to a wedding. The first half hour is much different than the last half hour in terms of how people are interacting. No question about it. And I and I think that would be like that for any type of event, even even the more organized and and subdued event. 
uh, like tefillah. And, and by the way, we should mention, I, 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 I've lauded, I'm with you on the air uh, uh, earlier and, uh, and, and at other times when I'm just speaking about you know the OU's guidelines, I've lauded the halachic decisors, Rav Schechter and others who are so important in the decisions that, that go into these guidelines. And, and we should note that, that not everything is unique to 2020. You know, we, we do wonder, we do wonder, and we want halachic guidance about w- whether one can be, you know, Yotze Megillas Esther on Zoom. I get that. That's a question that didn't exist a hundred years ago. But a lot of questions, you know, have a lot of precedents that need s- serious halachic analysis, not just by today's standards, but what's been done over the last, you know, few hundred years. And, and I think chauffeur is a perfect example. You know, the question of whether a chauffeur can be blown near an open window or or if a chauffeur can be blown and the outside of the chauffeur, not the mouth covering, but the outer covering, you know, the outer hole rather, can be covered. The, these questions have been asked for hundreds of years. So we should we should note and remind people that today's halachic decisors are not always reinventing the wheel based on stuff that's come up only for this generation. A lot of these questions have been considered by Postkim for centuries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, in... In this, this there are unique applications, like a situation like this, which is uh, which is so uh, unprecedented for us in memory. But um, but at the same time, yes, as you're right, that's the, the that's the task of the posek is to take the eternal principles and to apply, apply them to the you know you know reality. you know you know Rabbi Howard. This may sound silly, but it was comforting. When I started hearing at the beginning of the COVID, I, I, I assume that this was around Pesach time when a lot of serious psak came out uh, in terms of how to handle, you know, the Seder and the three-day yontif and the elderly and those with, you know, who, who you thought would be mentally challenged during, you know, the, the isolation period, etc. I mean, there were so many questions. It, there was a comfort in knowing that, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, there were really serious postkim who dealt with Epidemics and Yom Kippur, epidemics and Pesach, epidemics and you know, and, and real halachic questions. And I think there was a certain comfort again because we kept thinking like you know, all this is unprecedented. These are you know, 2020 is so different than than you know, even a hundred years ago at the last pandemic in a you know in America, the last, last one that was as serious as this one. Uh, and and I think it was comforting to the community knowing that really great rabbis that we've studied and heard about, you know, in school who, who, who helped, uh, you know, guide communities of ours over the last many hundred years dealt with these questions in the past. I'm with you hundred percent. That letter of Rabbi Akiva Eger yep. with a discussion of social distancing and crowding that could have been written in 2020 wasn't. <laughs> and what about the whole? Uh, and what about the? Relevant. And what about the whole question of eating on Yom Kippur during the pandemic? I don't know what year that was, but where serious halachic decisors really, you know, thought long and hard about whether certain members or any member of the community should be fasting on a day like that. I mean, imagine how serious. As we get closer to yeah. Yom Kippur now, right? We're we're essentially uh, 40 days away. Imagine how serious a question that was. That was not a, you know, should we be a little bit more lackadaisical on second-day yuntiv of a three-day yuntiv because certain people have certain needs? We're talking about, you know, th- does, the, does the medical condition of the community as a whole call for an adjustment to our Yom Kippur observance? That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. It, it was remarkable. It is remarkable. Uh, it's important uh, to, to note that, you know, Bli Ayin Hara, 
with God's help, the way our current pandemic situation is going, right. we are uh, postcom our, our our counseling prevention that shouldn't require uh, those kinds of measures for Yom Kippur. Right. But yes, it is. It, uh, there, there were times which were yeah. different, where 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 the, where the pandemic was even more rampant and harder to escape. Yeah, look, we made it through. T- we made it through Tisha B'Av, thank God. Rabbi Moshe Howard is with us. And by the way, again, I need you to help me with this because there are too many people in our community who are so lax, and and leaders in our community who are so lax. You know, if if these are the questions that are being asked, if if people, you know in our history have thought about, you know, uh, have thought about, I'm not poskening here, have thought about whether someone should be eating on Yom Kippur during a pandemic. It, it shows us the attitude we need to have when it comes to the value of life, right? We always talk about the enemy, you know, who blows themselves up, you know, have, have they, you know, don't care about life and look at us, thank God, you know, we, we're just the opposite. You know, we, we have this tremendous value of life. We need to demonstrate that. We need to for, not not only for the Kiddush Hashem Chil Hashem aspect. We need to demonstrate that even if there's only a half a percent chance of transmission of this thing, we need to wear our masks and we need to be socially distant and we need to be aware of this and we need not to be mocked when we're reminding people in our communities because uh, I'm sure Jewish leaders in certain communities are being mocked for it. We need to t- if we're going to consider these types of halachic shilas. Then we need to, you know, show and demonstrate that we really do ha- have a desire to make sure this thing is not transmitted further in our community. I- I'm sure you agree with me. I just, I just think that this point needs to be hammered home sometimes to members of our community. Look, uh, the 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 different attitudes or approaches of uh, of different people and different uh, leaders uh, towards situations are are there. They're there in, in many situations, many places. I, I am not comfortable for myself assuming the position of critiquing somebody else's position. What I am comfortable doing is advancing the position which, which our postkin, the postkin that we have turned to, have encouraged us to, to move forward. And certainly in, it includes everything that you said. It includes the, the importance of not letting down our guard, of continuing with the masking, which has been now so, so significantly yep. recognized as a, as, as, as a great factor. Right. Maybe the, yes, maybe I, the I factor. agree, people who are doing that should not be, heaven forbid, should not be mocked, should not be discouraged. There are so many people who individually have told me that oh, I would want to do it, but they feel a, a certain pressure. They're embarrassed to maintain standards, which they would really want to maintain for safety. And they shouldn't be embarrassed. They should be proud. But what can you tell them? They feel it. I think as a society, if a person feels that for whatever reason, which, again, it's not a position which I would advance or understand anything different, but how how could they create a situation where someone else who wants to be cautious, who wants to be careful, should in any which way feel discouraged? I think we should encourage, we should advance, what we feel is the is the safe way, and uh, just you know, full speed ahead that way. Create the environments, the shuls, uh, the situations where people could daven safely, where we feel, according to the best guidance that we have, that they could daven safely and have a meaningful and positive Rosh Hashanah. Here's here's where I laud you and the OU. There there's 16 steps to these guidelines, and I recommend everyone go to ou.org. You could see them in detail. Uh, they're called guidance for shuls for Yamim Noroyim. 
meaning High Holidays, presented by the OU and the RCA. You can find it online, I'm sure, at OU.org. The initial paragraph, by and large, our schools have been models of compliance with public health recommendations. Thank God. This is profoundly inspiring and represents a true Kiddush Hashem and, and here's the line I want to emphasize, an affirmation of our choosing life, a value cherished by the Melech Chafetz Bachayim, the king who desires life. Rabbi Howard, we're going to be standing literally in front of that king, the Melech Chafetz Bachayim, with those words, saying those words to him and describing him in that fashion. Uh, let's demonstrate that we mean it when we say that we want life, not just life because we want our life extended and we want our uh, our righteous deeds to be you know weighed positively against uh, against our misdeeds, but we want life because we've demonstrated God that we really, really have proven during this pandemic that we're acting in a way where we want life. Uh, in addition to the compliance, the seating plans, the outreach to members, as Rabbi Howard alluded to earlier, the how to deal with the different minyanim and multiple minyanim, the choices that need to be made in terms of rov am and, and what should and should not be included in tefillah uh, in, in the service. I spoke with a rabbi yesterday who was struggling with this question, and, and again, he, he was depending on the comfort of the congregation, the fact that he had a really large sanctuary with a relatively smaller number of people, so he, you know, he felt that that davening did not have to be altered as much as others might have to. Again, that's something that the rabbis have to consider. Um, and, of course, the shofar is an issue which is addressed in this, the Torah reading and how, how that should go, uh, crowding situations, how to deal with singles and elderly in the community, children's programming, as you discussed, and, of course, divrei Torah. Again, rabbis, I think, are being very careful. Some feel that they can eliminate a public presentation. Uh, they, they, they have no need in their congregation to say inspiring words during the service. And there are others who know that for their congregation it's vitally important, but they're going to be very careful you know, to, to utilize just a few minutes in order to do so. So again, I know these are guidelines and you're encouraging the rabbis to use them. We also have to laud the rabbis that are taking them seriously and considering everything uh, in, in all of this. And by the way, you know, when you did, when you presided over the uh, OU call with the Dr. Fauci, I don't even think he realized that, you know, as much as he has guidelines and suggestions for anybody, including, you know, houses of worship uh, around the country and, you know, things he'd like to see implemented if, in fact, those homes, those houses are going to be open at any point. Um, I don't think he realized, you know, to what degree the rabbis. Um, that are reading these guidelines and taking the advice of the rabbinic decisors who we mentioned, I don't think he realized how seriously um, they are taking them. Uh, I, 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 so, I sort of wanted you to say to him, you know, Dr. Fauci, not only are we doing what you're recommending, we're going with Nim Mishuris Hadin to make sure to be overly prepared and overly cautious with, the member, with life and with the members of our community. Um, so I, I, I understand there was a value in that conversation. I don't know if, frankly, we needed it because I think we're going with Nimishur Sadin following guidelines like this. I, I, uh, I think we did make the point that we, that we went beyond. We even had a little bit of a humorous exchange about when our initial guideline, we, we wanted people to be even more cautious than six feet. Right. We explained that that eight feet is the Jewish six feet because we like coming together so much. <laughs> Very um, good. <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, and but but uh, it, it actually I, I, I think I think it made a, a, a real a real difference to the community to hear him speak to us directly. Yeah, that's true. So that we were encouraged to do more. But yes, uh, 
we 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 have gone in many ways with Sneem and Mishuras again. And finally, uh, look, the the OU right now has launched a boot camp to train Bale Tzfilo before before the high holidays. I mean, this is I never would have thought of this, and it's so valuable. And obviously, this is the year that it's needed. There are going to be a lot of synagogues that have multiple services that have never had multiple services before. But because of the configuration, the attendance, the expected population on the high holidays, uh, they have no choice but to split up or make it at different times, etc. And that means you're going to need a different roster of people or an additional roster of people to handle all the uh, leadership responsibilities when it comes to the service. So the OU went ahead, and uh, I know that Cantor Yitzi Spinner is involved. There are a couple other names that I saw. Uh, that are doing this boot camp, trying to prepare as many people as possible to take on that role. And Rabbi Howard, I got to tell you, it, it, it's you know there are people who could just you know who could get who can make it through you know the five seven eight one high holidays. They can make it through, but knowing that proper nusach and proper guidance is being given for these people who are being tossed into this situation is really heartwarming. Yeah, no, it's a great thing, and there's been a been quite a response. Uh, 58 shuls have sent uh, Wow Bali uh, Tfilo have uh, like 100 and, 100 and something individuals and you, you, you understand it one, one person who organizes his shul said in a regular year they have one very big minion right. and that means he needs two people for chakras and two people for Musaf, right. four people and this year they have to divide up into three, and that means he needs twelve people. Right. And even if those, even if those four people will be double teaming a little bit in, in his shul, at least it's not, it's not the same people doing it both days. So he has a little more depth, and he, he just needs more people. And and people have to be prepared to that on a Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. No question. Some 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 have the knack; you can just throw them in there. Some have the experience, but it, 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 the halacha requires a person to prepare. You know, I, I've davened before the Amud for, 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 for many, many years, and I, I still don't just get up on Rosh Hashanah. I still go over it before one has to. It's a halacha that one has to prepare. Yep. And uh, people are taking advantage of this. It's a, it's a great program uh, that people can still find. You know, they can still find online, and it, it includes both recordings and guidance and even an element of individual coaching uh, that's available. Uh, many people are taking advantage of it from many different places. I think we even have the shul in Dubai, right? In the spirit of the, what I'm sure you've been talking about. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think that they, they, they even signed up for it. Um, obviously, a leader like yourself at the OU is going to be very familiar um, for, you know, for obvious reasons. You'll be very familiar with what's going on in the New York and New Jersey synagogues and how the community is handling the current situation is it ba- and you're down in Baltimore is it basically the same down there I mean the community is essentially uh you know at the same point and you know uh, th- the reopening is basically at the same pace as what we're going through up here I-, I think so I think so you know the shuls are are open with serious limitations many shuls have inside minyan and right. outside minyan and they're doing it with social distancing and masks you know keeping to the rules across the community Across the community, and, uh, yeah, for them. and that's it's very it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. Well, and thank God. I'll take this opportunity on uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul to wish you a Ksiva Chsimatova, happy, healthy, and sweet New Year. It's going to be an interesting year, Rabbi Hauer. 
It's going to be a very interesting year for our community and for every community in this country, frankly, and around the world. Yeah. Because we don't know what's happening yeah. now. It's it's a sort of like an iffy period. We don't know if it, another wave is coming. Certain reports we're getting, you know, are discouraging. We don't know what kind of winter it's going to be. We don't know what our what our children in both elementary and high school is going to be going through. I mean, this is uh, a big. You know, you know, yeah. one of the things we learned is you never. We learned during this whole episode is you never know what the next day is going to bring for real. Like, you know, and God's in control. None of us are, are in control of anything. But as it continues and continues to go along, it just becomes, you know, more more and more stressful to handle. Let's put it that way. I, I, I agree. And if I could just say, uh, to speak to that for, for a moment, sure. uh, we spend so much time and so much effort dealing with the technicalities of making sure Rosh Hashanah Davening can happen. It's going to be in this space, that space, this page we're going to say, this page we're not going to say, uh, the timing and everything else. And for all the reasons that you just described, we have to make sure that we don't just pull this off technically well, mm-hmm. but that we are able to put the technicalities behind us at a certain point. We, we set them up so everything's safe and right, and then we can really daven. We can really daven because... You know, as Hazel say, everything is so uncertain, and it's really a time for serious and sincere prayer, and we hope that everybody's able to do it. Those who are doing it in their homes, those who are doing it in their shuls, those who are doing it in, 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 the, in the parking lots, that they're able to daven sincerely. Um, I also wanted to say, Nahum, that I was very happy to hear in your introductory words where you described that that you're able to play this role of community right. for, for, for more people who are isolated during this time. It's so valuable, so important, and Hashem should give you the strength and the continued creativity and energy uh, to be able to be a source of community and chizuk for, for all of us. I appreciate that very much. It's a time for community worldwide. Uh, we need each other. We crave each other's company, as you described earlier. <laughs> the six and eight foot social distancing <laughs> rule or an adjustment are a testament to that. And hopefully we'll get back there one day. But but such an important thing you said about uh, preparing for Rosh Hashanah now. Let's, let's hope we get there. We're making all these preparations. We're making all these technical adjustments. We're trying, as you described, to get into the right mood. Today, after all, is Rosh Chodesh Elul. Let's just hope we can get there and, of course, pull this off because we know that uh, some of the major holidays over the last six months, we found ourselves you know, isolated in our homes and not able to gather together in synagogue. Let's hope this plan works and we get there and that uh, God keeps us at least at this point, hopefully even better, but at least at this point we're able to to gather together and be a community. Herbie Hauer, a, a, uh, wishing you a lot of success in your role as Executive Vice President for 5781, and again, wishing you a happy, healthy, and sweet new year, and continue the uh, amazing leadership that the OU is having, uh, both for the rabbis around the country and for the congregants around the country. Thank you, Nahum. Amen. And you should have a clear wonderful year. Amen. Thank you so much. Thursday morning, it's Rosh Chodesh Elul. Here at JM in the AM.